0: It's the Kim Munson Show, analyzing the most important
1: stories. That seems to me like government is establishing a religion.
0: The latest in politics and world affairs.
1: If you give people rights, women's rights, gay rights, whatever, there can't be equal rights if there's special rights. Today's current opinions and ideas. Surveys show that that people still really prefer freedom versus force. Is it freedom or is it force? Let's have a conversation. Indeed, let's have a conversation. And welcome to the Kim Munson Show. I am Kim Munson. Thank you so much for joining us. You're each treasured, valued. You have purpose. Today, strive for excellence. Take care of your heart, your soul, your mind, and your body. You were made for this moment and uh, live with intention. I get to work with a great team. That's producer Steve, Zach, Patty, Keith, Jen, Charlie, all the people here at Crawford Broadcasting. Uh, Happy Tuesday to you, Producer Steve.
0: And uh, happy Tuesday to you. Thank you.
1: We've got a a great show planned for you today. We're going to go through some headlines in these uh, first couple of segments. We'll talk with Lauren Levy. He is a mortgage specialist with Polygon Financial Group. And Karen uh, Levine, she is an award-winning realtor with REMAX Alliance. Uh, Just about things on interest rates, housing, Just uh, some of the public policy that's coming down in those arenas right now. And that will be in the third and fourth segment. But lots of headlines to get through. But before we do that, be sure and check out my website. That is Kim Munson, M-O-N-S-O-N dot com. Sign up for our weekly newsletter there. You can email me at Kim at Kim Munson dot com as well. And thank you to all of you who support us. We are an independent voice. We search for truth and clarity by looking at these issues through this lens of freedom versus force, force versus freedom. If something's a good idea, you shouldn't have to force people to do it. Socialism ultimately comes down to force. It's not about free stuff. The free stuff is just the carrot to get people to vote for that. Uh, But remember, it's never compassionate to take other people's rights, property, freedom, or livelihood via force, whether with a weapon. Policy, unpredictable and excessive taxation, fear, coercion, or this latest silent thief, which is government induced inflation. I was looking for property quotes, uh, property rights quotes, since we're going to be talking about home ownership, which is uh, a property right. And home ownership is one of those things that has actually been great for the middle class. It's allowed them to create wealth. And so I ended up with John Locke. Uh, on our quote for the day. And he was an English philosopher and physician. He was widely regarded as one of the most influential of enlightenment thinkers and commonly known as the father of liberalism. He was considered one of the first of the British empirists and following the tradition of Sir Francis Bacon, uh, Locke is equally important to social contract theory. He was born in 1632. He died in 1704. And this is what he said. He said, I have no reason to suppose that he who would take away my liberty, would not, when he had me in his power, take away everything else. So what has been happening here in 2020, uh, 2022, America now, 2021, it's nothing new. It's human nature. And Locke uh, indicated that way back when, Producer Steve.
0: Uh, I'm glad you've straightened that out because I'm assuming the he he was referring to was Gerald Polis. But I guess there was another he.
1: <laughs> There's all kinds of he's, but, uh, but you could insert the name.
0: Your point is well taken, and again, here's a great quote: "This what this guy was experiencing, living in the 1600s. You know, who was the he? It was probably the king, right?
1: Probably the king at that time. Yes. But like you
0: said, you know, human nature is the one constant, and and all its uh, faults is the one constant through time."
1: Through time, and uh, that's that's what's so interesting about progressives is they think that they can progress human nature to this perfect um, utopia, and it's never possible because the the thing that remains constant is human nature. And uh, Steve, speaking of that, you had mentioned something in our pre-call about our democracy. We had Rob Nadelson on recently, and and he issue or he he talked about the issue of our democracy, And as you all know, we are not a, a democracy. We are a constitutional democratic republic. And uh, our democracy, a democracy is just basically mob rule. Uh, and Rob Nadelson, uh, we talked about this, our democracy, which the left is continuing to parrot at this time. But you said Victor Davis Hansen had response to that, producer Steve.
0: Well, yeah, uh, what this caught my attention because... Everybody from Hillary on down is is banging away at this phrase that we're going to lose our democracy. And, And Chuck Schumer and Nancy Pelosi, they're all saying the same thing. And sure enough, Bob Duco, who's heard every morning at about 830 here on KLZ, he did a montage yesterday. It went on for about a minute. All these different voices saying losing our democracy, saying it over and over again. So I found this piece by Victor Davis Hanson. I know he's somebody that you really respect. He's doing a little analysis here and he says what what are the left-wing Dems really worried about here? He said well here, here's what they're not worried about. They are not worried about 2 million foreign nationals crashing the border in a single year without vaccinations during a pandemic. They are not worried about 800,000 foreign nationals, some living or some residing illegally, who will now vote in New York City elections. So then what is behind this new left-wing hysteria? about the supposed looming end of democracy. And he's he's great at getting to the point with few words. It is quite simple. The left expects to lose power over the next two years, both because of the way it gained and used it and because of its radical top-down agendas that never really had any public support.
1: So that's what it is really about when they talk about losing our democracy. And, Steve, just think about this. All of these people that are here illegally that are going to be voting in New York City elections or potentially voting in them, uh, it would probably really be ballot harvesting. Probably most people are that are, are getting here are just trying to figure out how to live. But just think how that dilutes the vote of all those that have been living in New York City paying taxes. It dilutes their vote. And I cannot believe that New York City elites continue to vote for this. I guess they think that they are are immune from what is going to happen with this, but they're not. Their city is in decline, and it is not going to turn around with these kinds of policies, Producer Steve.
0: They finally get rid of de Blasio and his reign of terror, and uh, you think, oh, okay, this new guy you know, they, they voted with some level of common sense based on what they learned and what was inflicted upon them. And I'm not sure the new guy is any improvement. I, I guess it remains to be seen.
1: It does remain to be seen. But again, this is, this is diluting, uh, everyday hardworking people that have been paying taxes in New York. It's destroying their city. And, um, you know, if it's, if something's a good idea, you shouldn't have to cheat to win elections. Uh, and, um, So, yes, so uh, hopefully their democracy, hopefully the democracy that Nancy Pelosi is so concerned about is one that uh, is going to be destroyed because it is totally antithetical to a constitutional republic. And uh, a democracy is basically mob rule. It's 50% plus one, and they can rule everything. And, of course, we see that with them trying to get rid of the filibuster, too, in the Senate. But go ahead.
0: So what do you think? Uh, They, I mean, every credible source but on both sides of the issue basically says oh my gosh in 2022 in the midterms the, the left the Dems are going to get pasted my question is do they do they know it I mean yeah they do know it but do they ask themselves why I guess it's, do they ever have that quiet time where they sit and say well what have we done uh, you know why, yeah. why are we going to lose so big have, we've overplayed our hand yes uh, but uh, you know what what is their self uh, introspecting i guess
1: okay and that's really a good question a couple of things i think that you're at, you're asking the question is there a time where there's real introspection and 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 uh, checking premises checking ideas to say are we losing because this is a bad idea I don't think that that kind of introspection occurs, but I think there is an introspection of maybe we overplayed our hand and and you'll see how they'll ch- try to change the narrative. I mean, just look at Governor Polis. When you look at all of the onerous things that he did during the pandemic, and we have this list that we have on our on our uh, outline every day. Remember this. Remember all those highway signs that basically said, if you're out and about living your life, you're trying to kill somebody. Remember the dad that was in the park and the family was arrested. The mask mandates, the executive order that mandated all businesses to reduce in-person workforce by 50%. Landlords were limited in their ability to evict a tenant. Many people were paid to stay home and not work. Elective surgeries were canceled. There was an executive order uh, regarding uh, which patients hospitals could take, the lottos, the gift cards, the coercion, including for young children, contact tracing. Remember that one, Steve, that it was supposedly a volunteer organization and then found out that Polis's cronies received over a million dollars for tracing you, which is unbelievable. But now there is it's an election time and there's this race to the middle. And uh, there are those he this narrative that he's libertarian. And it's very frustrating for me when we have uh, Republicans uh, that are actually helping that narrative. And we've seen that with the uh, appointment of Walker Stapleton, former gubernatorial candidate. Here in Colorado, the appointment to the Economic uh, Commission, Ecom- Economic Development Commission, and so there's this race to the middle, and we need to continue to remind each other as we are going to the ballot box, exactly what it is that these policies have been that have have really made it difficult for people here in Colorado. But a couple of things. Let's get to. Um, let's go ahead and do the bill of the day, and then one other thing. There was a very interesting development yesterday but let's get to this and that is here we go it's to pro, it's uh, Senate bill 22031 the sponsors are senators uh, let's see Sonia Wacquez Lewis and Johan Janal and representatives Judy Amabile and Monica Duran all four and dims. It's to pro, all four dims to prohibit hunting Bobcat, lynx and mountain lion So if it was not enough for our farmers and ranchers to have wolves introduced onto the Western Slope, now predators, uh, they're putting in place uh, restrictions on how to hunt them. Now, as I read the bill, uh, it's just really complicated. And uh, whenever you get things that are complicated, um, I mean, I don't really, I don't know of people just out there aggressively hunting bobcat and lynx. But I do see that this could be protections for bobcat and lynx, which are predators. Uh, and once again, this seems like this is an assault on our rural Colorado, our farming and our ranching. But it says, current law allows, when authorized by the Parks and Wildlife Commission, a person to hunt and take a bobcat or mountain lion. The bill generally prohibits shooting, wounding, killing or trapping a bobcat, Canadian lynx or mountain lion. This bill allows for the shooting, wounding, killing, or trapping, or attempted shooting, wounding, killing, or trapping, if it is, and then they have a long list. Of, uh, of of things that can occur, it says a person that shoots, wounds, or kills a bobcat, Canadian Canada lynx, or mountain lion to prevent bodily harm to an individual must notify the division within 24 hours after the incident and may not, without authorization from the division, remove from the site, retain, or transfer all or a portion of the bobcat, Canada lynx, or mountain lion. It does establish an exception for a livestock owner. The shooting, wounding, killing, or trapping of a bobcat mountain lion occurs on land owned or leased by the livestock owner. This is, Steve, as I read this, this is just very complicated. And once again, this seems like this is an assault on rural Colorado. It's protecting predators. Of course, we've seen that in our criminal justice system as well. Protecting the predators and uh, penalizing um penalizing those that are not the predators. Agreed?
0: Well, that that was a good observation, and uh, that was clever. I (laughs) I just look at it. I went through it. It makes sense to a point, but the timing is what confuses me. Why now? Are there not other things that are a little bit more pressing?
1: Uh, That's a very good point. And then, Patty, late breaking, sent this headline over. Remember yesterday we were talking about Ellen Kessler uh, with Danielle Neuschwanger when she was on. And Ellen Kessler was um, on the State Veterinarian board, but actually, and she had uh, put out some very um, very uh, damaging tweets regarding our livestock owners. Anyway, she was appointed to the uh, the uh, State Veterinarian Board. and uh, guess what? She resigned yesterday. And uh, this was uh, this was from Christy Burton Brown the head of the colorado gop she said i wanted to let you know that governor polis anti-rural appointee ellen kessler has resigned this afternoon after after we call for jared polis to fire her over her despicable anti-rancher statements meanwhile jared polis still owes coloradans an answer on whether or not he supports this kind of language kessler has done the right thing and resigned however it is still shocking that polis would appoint someone like her to the board Well done. I'm glad that she's off of there.
0: And yet the resignation now comes uh, in an election year. So they don't want to hang that around his neck.
1: Uh, Absolutely. And uh, so anyway, let's go to break. Before we do that, though, Hooters Restaurants is a sponsor of both my shows, The Kim Munson Show and America's Veterans Stories. And they are holding their line on their $10 burgers. And they've got some very yummy ones, it sounds like. They've got uh, Mushroom Swiss Burger, a Bacon Blue Burger, the Southwest Burger, A Western Burger, Mac and Cheeseburger, and the Cali Burger. They're holding the line on that. And uh, they also have a Lunch Punch program. It says get more out of lunch with Hooters' Lunch Punch Rewards program. Lunch Punch every day, 11 to 2, double punches on Tuesday. We're going to go to break. When we come back, we'll continue with some headlines. We'll talk with Karen Levine and Lauren Levy at the bottom of the hour. Stay tuned. Home ownership and private property rights help you build wealth for you and your family. Remax Alliance award-winning realtor Karen Levine understands this. Supply is super tight right now. This is why you need a seasoned professional with excellent negotiating skills on your side of the table, whether buying or selling an existing home or buying a new build. As a member of the National Association of Realtors Board of Directors, Karen Levine volunteers hours of her time to help you build your American dream. Call her today at 303-877-7516. Again, that's 303-877-7516.
0: You'd like to get in touch with one of Kim Munson's sponsors, but you can't recall their phone number. Find a full list of advertising partners on Kim's website, KimMunson.com. That's Kim, M-O-N-S-O-N.com.
1: Welcome back to the Kim Munson Show. I am Kim Munson. Be sure and check out our website. That is Kim Munson, M-O-N-S-O-N dot Sign up for our weekly newsletter there. You can email me at Kim at Kim Munson.com as well. Uh, Next headline, Steve, I wanted to go to is this by Fox Business, says the Department of Homeland Security said this last Saturday it will require non U.S. individuals hoping to enter the U.S. via land ports of entry and ferry terminals at the U.S.-Mexico and U.S.-Canada borders to be fully vaccinated against COVID-19 says the individuals will need to provide related proof of vaccination and the restrictions will apply to both those traveling for essential and non-essential reasons. The changes were first announced in October of 2021 and were made in consultation with the Biden administration and several federal, federal agencies, including the centers for disease control and prevention. How is it producer Steve, that they are instituting this rule for people that are trying to enter the country legally but i mean it's if they instituted those rules down at the southern border that seems like that would be a solution to the border crisis because then we wouldn't have all these people coming in at the border there is such a disconnect with this administration it's uh, rather remarkable
0: well you've already you just now basically said what i was thinking dhs has been with us for decades now i guess a couple decades but um their, their actions today are basically directly tied to the administration, right?
1: Absolutely. It's all political. So and I,
0: your your point is very well taken. I mean, people who are in, in the bounds of, of the way things are supposed to work in a civilized society, and yet the, the border is wide open. And nobody, nobody is checking who the individuals are, much less their, you know, the vaccination status. Steps.
1: Right. Yes, and whether or not they have v- vaccine cards. So there is a huge disconnect on this. Ne- next thing, oh, I did want to mention this. I saw this come across uh, early today that Neil Young has said that he is, uh, does not want his music distributed on Spotify as long as Spotify has Joe Rogan on uh, Spotify. And I find this, this, um, this coercion, this uh, coerced censorship is rather remarkable. I don't miss Neil Young at all on Spotify whatsoever. Uh, however, just the, the hubris, I would say, of this yeah. guy. And to take a look at that, uh, he says that I want you to censor somebody, and if you don't, then I don't want to partake. I say good riddance uh, with Neil Young on Spotify.
0: What an ego. And like I said in the pre-call, he's been a loose cannon, uh on on the deck of the American culture for decades. So uh, I'm not too concerned about what he's, what he's
1: saying here. Yeah. And this, this whole thing with Joe Rogan has been so interesting because he has this huge following and I know that he is making a difference that there are people that are really questioning uh, what is happening with these vaccines, with these mass mandates. And another one of those that has been questioning this, this is uh, from the uh, Epoch times, uh, it says Pfizer board members suggest into mask and vaccine mandates, says Dr. Scott Gottlieb. And we quoted him yesterday. Former director of the uh, Food and Drug Administration and current board member of Pfizer said that declining COVID-19 cases should signal to policymakers that it is time to lift more pandemic related restrictions says, I think certainly on the East Coast, where you can see cases declining dramatically, we need to be willing to lean in and do that very soon. I think as conditions improve and we have to be willing to relax some of these measures with the same speed that we put them in place, he told the Squawk Box in a Monday interview when asked about whether mask mandates should be dropped. Gottlieb, uh, Gottlieb said that a lot of the acrimony in the United States sen- stems from a lack of clear goalpost about when some of these measures will end. And it also said the former FDA commissioner also cited the Connecticut government's recent uh, decision to rescind vaccine mandates for state workers as a policy that other policymakers should adopt in the near future as COVID-19 cases decline nationwide. Uh, This the narrative on this whole COVID-19 vaccination mass mandates, the narrative is really starting to fall apart on this producer, Steve.
0: It is. And I was going to ask you, what really is the big picture with the virus—it it is definitely dynamic. It is changing. I mean, the Bide mandates have been blocked almost everywhere you look. FDA, out of nowhere, approves Rendisavir for non-hospitalized patients. So, there, I mean, this logjam is seems to be breaking loose. And, and now, this is not me saying this. I'm just, you know, pointing to the fact that people, certain people, people who are in the know, have been taking the word endemic. Off the shelf and dusting it off. So you tell me.
1: Well, uh, this is all as we've seen. This has really been um, this has been about force and coercion, and I there's there's so many. Po- We're in such a messy time right now, Steve. It's such a complex, messy time, and there's so many questions out there. But I th- I think the thing that is positive is that the veil has come off on this movement that has really been since the eighties, I think coming out of the sixties of this movement towards, uh, towards bigger and bigger government, more control over our lives. And so I think that we are having this gut check here in America about who we are and more and more people are concerned about it. What I am concerned about though, is what is happening with the Biden administration on the international level, uh, this the whole thing that's happening over in Russia, Ukraine, and the fact that that they are what, 8,000, 8, of our troops, they are putting them on alert. Uh, it, it, and this is all these people that were, you know, always talking about these lo- these long wars. We need to stay out of these wars. It was Trump that actually said we're going to get out of Af- Afghanistan. I think he had a better plan than what Joe Biden did, but these endless wars, it was good to get out of them. And now it looks like there's some saber rattling to maybe get back into something. This is what is very concerning to me, producer Steve.
0: Well you called it messy times and the first thing that came to my mind was the hymn that we all you know know, On Christ is solid rock I stand, all other ground is shifting sand. Maybe that's what makes it so messy, because there's no place to get a solid stand right now, a solid footing. Everything is is changing and very little of it is changing for the good.
1: Well, I think the thing that you just mentioned the solid sand is and that is faith in Christ and I think that many people are uh, are are realizing that because uh, this shifting sand thing is it's it's very difficult for people. Um, and so I think that, uh, yeah, there is a lot of shifting sand, but there always has been. I mean, that song was written many, many years ago. So again, this is nothing new. Uh, before we, we go to break here, I wanted to mention one other thing, and that is, well, the, the stock market. You talk about <laughs> fasten your seatbelt. There was, what, almost, I think almost 1,100-point swing yesterday, Yep, if you can believe it. And, and uh, that is not for the faint of heart, for sure.
0: And, yeah, you know, and then it turned I mean, I'm... Just picturing the people who sit there and watch the start market indicators throughout the day having cardiac arrest. And yet there was a rally, too.
1: Yes, there was. So people that are trading on the short term, there's people that made money yesterday. There's people that lost money yesterday. But uh, Moderna... Uh, apparently that stock is down significantly. Its 52-week high was 497.49. It closed on Monday at 157.98, and it says uh, this was um, says battered by a steep broad market sell-off this week. Moderna shares fell for a sixth straight day, Friday, as experts question whether COVID-19 vaccine sales alone will help justify the firm's meteoric valuation, intensifying a crash that wiped out more than 60% of the value in one of the last year's top stocks and turned it into this year's worst performer. Now, let's just think about this. I I remember early on, we had Dr. Jill Vecchio on, and she said that Moderna had actually never brought a product to market before the COVID-19 vaccine. You have government coming in, forcing people to have to take this vaccine And then as we're seeing the the kind of the wheels fall off the bus on this whole narrative, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure out that there's going to be uh, a a, a correction in the price. And I was just looking, actually, I lost the um, link here, but the CEO just recently sold, uh, I think 23,000 shares. And when you see insiders selling their own stock that they're in charge of the company, that can always be something to, to take into account when you're looking at whether or not to invest in a particular stock or not. And, uh, again, this was, let's see from Yahoo. They just reported this and I think it was 23,000 shares. Uh, but, um, yeah, I'm not getting that exactly, but I saw that earlier today, producer Steven. So that is something to bear in mind uh, when you have your insider starting to sell stock.
0: Well, let's assume that, okay, would you say the close yesterday was 157? Let's assume that, you know, he made that decision to sell somewhere upwards of 157. That's not a bad little chunk of change.
1: No, it isn't. It's not a, a bad chunk of change at all. And uh, yeah. So anyway, that's something to bear in mind. And then one other thing, Steve, before we uh, get here into break, and that was the Centennial Elementary School here in Colorado uh, is uh, it's here in Denver. It's DPS. And they are pushing the Black Lives Matter narrative, uh, the LGBTQ narrative to their students. And instead of Instead of uh, upholding the nuclear family, they're talking about a community uh, raising children. And that never works out very well for kids normally. And uh, I was thinking, as you and I were doing the pre-call on this, Steve, about school choice. And should people have the choice if they wanted to send their kids to Centennial Elementary I I think that that's, again, one of the things that's messy about freedom is sometimes you're going to have a school like that. But right now, parents don't have the choice to get their kids out of that school when they're pushing that particular narrative. And it's just Centennial Elementary. Remember, they were also the school that had a playground time for um, uh, everybody except white kids. I mean, this, this racism that we are seeing pushed by... A BLM, it's very Marxist to put people into groups instead of recognizing their individuality, Steve.
0: Well, I'm glad you brought that up because I, and you knew exactly what the story was because I asked you, it seems to me they were on the ra- our radar in the past month, and that, that was the story. And the question I have does, is Centennial not a part of DPS, or are they kind of like the Petri dish for DPS where they'll float these things out there and see what happens?
1: Um, I, I, I I, stay tuned. We don't know the answer for sure on that one, but, uh, let's go to break before we do that though. Kirsch insurance group is another sponsor of the show. Greatly appreciate them. They are uh, brokers of in the Medicare arena and this whole Medicare thing is clear as mud to me. That's why you need Kirsch insurance group to help you navigate through this, to get the Medicare policy that is best for you. And because they work with so many different companies, uh, they're not just stuck with one particular th- uh, plan that they can offer you. So be sure and check them out. Their website is iKirsch.com. That's iKirsch.com, K-I-R-S-C-H.com. We're going to go to break. When we come back, we're going to be talking about housing, interest rates, all those things that are important to us. We'll be right back. Three Points Financial is a fiduciary financial planning company focused on helping individuals and families. Mary Alpers and Steve Cruz at Three Points Financial specialize in investment strategies, tax planning and preparation, and retirement planning with no product sales or commissions. Tax laws have changed and will continue to change. Inflation is real. Three Points Financial helps you maneuver through these changes to achieve your financial success. For clarity and a solid, relevant financial and investment plan, while working with a company that puts your interests at the forefront, schedule a no-obligation initial consultation at 3 That's 3 Would you have ever
0: dreamed that freedom of speech, freedom of thought, freedom of assembly and freedom of religion would be under assault and attack in America? Unbelievably, it is happening right before our eyes. That is why it is important to keep free-thinking, independent voices on the airwaves, the internet, and social media. Kim Munson is one of those important voices. Help her keep independence alive. Go to KimMunson.com to contribute to join Kim in the battle of ideas raging in America today. That's Kim Munson, M-O-N-S-O-N dot
1: And welcome back to the Kim Munson show. I am Kim Munson. Be sure and check out our website. That's Kim Munson, M-O-N-S-O-N dot Sign up for our weekly newsletter there. And you can email me at Kim at Kim Munson.com as well. On the line with me is Lauren Levy. Uh, he is a specialist in the mortgage arena and a great sponsor of both the shows. Uh, Lauren Levy, welcome to the show. Good morning, Kim. Great to have you. And uh, Karen Levine, again, is a great sponsor of both the shows as well, specialist in uh, everything regarding buying or selling your home. It's great to have you on the show as well, Karen. It's great to be here. <laughs> okay. Karen, let's go to you first. Uh, where are we regarding our metro real estate market? Uh, I did see that uh, up north that there's been some challenges with water up in the Severance, um, Windsor area, up in, uh, Alta area. But where are we with all these fires? Uh, what is happening right now in the metro real estate market?
2: Well, I think it's important just to look back at what 2020 looked like in the real estate market to get an understanding of what we're seeing today. And we saw um, an increase in home ownership of, of um, 19%. Throughout the state. So, more people own homes than owned homes the year before. And we did that with less inventory. We did that with um, ending the year with only 2,329 single family houses and 730 condos. And we did that month in and month out, which means the American people still believe in home ownership, which to me is, um, you know, warms my heart because you and I and Lauren talk about how that is how Americans have built wealth over the years. Um, With that said, we've come out, um, we're in what, the last week of uh, January, and the market is hot. Interest rates, I'm sure Lauren will talk about, have moved up a little bit. But if buyers in the market want to compete with this limited inventory, which is a repeat of last year, because we can't increase inventory if We still have great activity. Um, We're looking at multiple offers between one dozen and two dozen per home. We're looking at showings, 60 to 100 showings on a house over a two, three, four day period. And the homes are selling for over 20% of their list price. It's phenomenal.
1: Well, Lauren Levy. For somebody that is wants to get a house, and houses are selling for over their list price, i What are you seeing with people in the mortgage arena?
3: Um, it's funny. I, I was just happened to read an article yesterday, I think, where the realtor that wrote it was, used the word "drunk" uh, to describe the market, just because of the way the home values were, home prices were selling over their list price. They just couldn't believe it. Um, So what we have to do on the lending side is not only pre-qualify people for the loan based on what they think they want to offer with whatever down payment they have, but then we really have to get involved with their realtors like Karen and whoever they're working with to uh, talk about what's called an appraisal gap where the house doesn't appraise for as much as the price they've agreed to pay for it. And when that happens, then the buyer has to bring the extra money as well. So they not only have to have their down payment funds, but they have to have some sort of a reserve ability to cover if the price goes higher than the asking price, therefore higher than the appraised value as well. They need to be able to cover that that difference. So that's a challenge for a lot of people.
2: And it, well, is, it is. Go ahead, Karen. Um, I was just going to say, and it is a challenge when um, just coming out of this weekend's activity, um, buyers are, are gapping that appraisal 100%. They're taking on all the risk or they're saying up to $100,000. So not my buyers, the ones I'm working with, they have the ability to gap the appraisal um, a little bit, but most of them don't have the ability to do 100% or $100,000.
1: Well, yeah, and Karen, you and I have talked about this before, and that is, well, and... The whole. Remember the Great Reset, this mm-hmm. whole thing coming out of um, the World Economic Forum and uh, yeah. Klaus on that. That by 2030 you will own nothing and you will be happy about it. And this seems like this is pricing people out of the market, which is pushing them into rental units. And with a rental unit, there's no way that they can. Uh, create wealth because they're just paying rent, those that are getting wealthy would be the apartment owners, but we're seeing public policy that is pushing people into rental units, and I think it's it's more favorable to rental versus home ownership what are you seeing that, Karen?
2: Well, I think that we've had that conversation, Kim, and yes, we look at public policy that promotes the development and um the housing in the rental market, not the ownership market. And yet, we see the American people say, hey, that may be what you want to do, but guess what? We want home ownership. And we saw that in the numbers of houses sold. So I think people understand the value. But then you open, you know, you look deeper, let's say, and we've talked about investment funds coming in and buying up our single family and condo housing. Um, So we don't have a number that says, well, If we sold more homes, did we sell them more to owner-occupants, or is that number up because we sold to these investment pools, and they are then putting them on the market as rentals?
1: And you you said there's no data on that right now? There's no data on that. And it would be curious,
2: because as we have the conversation, and even though it's early in the morning, I'm like, oh, well, why is that number up? home ownership number up, or unit number up, sale number up.
1: Well, and, uh, Lauren Levy, it seems that if you have a corporation or an investment firm that's coming in and buying homes, and we're seeing this, uh, what you call, appraisal gap, uh, a a, a corporation or an investment company can make that up, but it's so difficult for everyday people, Lauren.
3: That's right, and... One of the reasons it's so hard to do why the data would be so important is because those investment people pay for cash, right? So there is no loan. So it's not like someone like me or anyone like in my position can say, oh, that was definitely sold to an investor. I did the loan for them. Um, They don't have a loan. And so um, that would be upon the real estate side of things to determine that buyer and create that data. But you're right. Ken. the challenge is that it's more important than ever to work with a realtor that's experienced. And, you know, it used to be yeah, you gotta get pre qualified, but now you almost have to sit down with a realtor after you're prequalified and really crunch the numbers of what is it gonna look like? What yes this house is gonna list at six hundred but what am I really gonna be looking at to pay for it? And if I wanna get it, and that's what you have to come in and then do a pre qualification on that number mm-hmm. to cover that appraisal gap and and have both things lined up before you go out looking.
1: Okay. Now, Karen, on the buy side, this is very difficult, but this is an opportunity for people on the sell side. But if you sell your home, you have to find another place to live. And so you see that inflation in in that particular home ownership. Are you seeing people sell and leave the state? Or what What kind of a trend is, is going on with that?
2: Um, I would say last year we did see um, maybe... Forty percent of our sellers chose to move out of state. Um, The majority love living in Colorado and want to stay in Colorado. Um, And they had challenges, but um, the team that I work with and myself, we were very successful in in finding them the housing that they were um, hoping to find. Um, Yes, it's challenging, but you've got to educate the consumer on the front end, let them know what it's going to take to compete, um, we've also been educating our sellers with regards to if you have 20 offers in front of you, do you want an investor to own your home? Or are you interested in giving home ownership opportunity to someone else like you had? And I think sellers are getting that. Yes, sometimes the bottom line, you know, plays out. But we talk about, well, how long can this happen? Um, the beauty of it is, is, in many cases, it's the free market that's playing out. And so as long as buyers are willing to pay the price for the product, you know, and the price continues to go up and they're willing to pay it, then that's the market. Because people will say, well, what's the house worth? Well, the house is worth what a willing, able buyer is willing to pay for it.
1: Okay. Okay. Um, I want to shift gears here when we come back from break, Lauren and Karen, and talk about density. Uh, With the fires that happened up in the Louisville Superior area, we've heard people say that the, the houses were too close together. And I, I wanna talk I I wanna bite that off a bit. So uh on the line with me is Lauren Levy. He is an expert in the mortgage arena and also I wanna talk about inflation with Lauren as well. And Karen Levine, uh award-winning realtor with Remax Alliance. Before we go to break uh though, I also wanna give a shout out to Castlegate Knife and Tool. They are a great sponsor again of both of the shows. And they are a family owned business located in Sedalia, Colorado. And uh, they have knives from the best blade makers from throughout the world. And so whether or not you are a chef or a collector or a sportsman, Castlegate Knife and Tool is the place for you. We're going to go to break. When we come back, we'll continue the conversation with Lauren Levy and Karen Levine. With the federal government printing money, it looks like inflation is on the horizon. That is why you should lock in a low rate now on your mortgage. Lauren Levy with Polygon Financial Group is here to help. Lauren works with a variety of lenders to assist you in finding the mortgage that is just right for you. Locking in a low rate now will save you thousands of dollars over the life of your loan. Don't procrastinate. Don't wait any longer. Call Lauren today at 303-880-8881. That's 303-880-8881. All of Kim's
0: sponsors are an inclusive partnership with Kim and are not affiliated with or in partnership with KLZ or Crawford Broadcasting. If you would like to support the work of the Kim Munson Show and grow your business, contact Kim at her website, KimMunson.com. That's Kim Munson, M-O-N-S-O-N dot com.
1: Don't miss your chance to hear from the Republican Senate candidates as they go up against Senator Michael Bennett. Longmont Republican Women present a Republican Senate candidate forum on Saturday, January 29th at Twin Peaks Charter Academy in Longmont. Doors open at 6 p.m., dinner is provided, and forum starts promptly at 7 p.m. Tickets cost $35, and no tickets will be sold at the door. Our very own Kim Munson will be moderating, so you don't want to miss it. Get your tickets at longmontrepublicanwomen.org today. Once again, find more information and get your tickets at longmontrepublicanwomen.org. And welcome back to the Kim Munson Show. I am Kim Munson. Be sure and check out our website. That's Kim Munson, M O N S O N dot com. Sign up for our weekly newsletter there. You can email me at Kim at Kim dot com as well, and thank you to all of you who support us. Uh, on the line with me is Karen Levine with Remax Alliance and Lauren Levy, uh, mortgage specialist with Polygon Financial Group. Lauren, before we get over to this question on density, the inflation numbers are at historic highs, and this is again, I uh, everyday people are getting squeezed if they're trying to buy a home or with this, these inflation numbers and the fed thinks that they can tweak interest rates to tweak the economy. What's your thoughts about what's happening with the fed right now, Lauren?
3: Well, I mean, there's always been question of, are they too late or are they on time for the changes they're making? And, you know, for the tapering that they're doing now and potential rate hikes in March. And, you know, the bottom line is it's most likely coming and, you know, the market is taking notice. So you mentioned that interest rates have gone up and they have They're, you know, we've gone from the high two range on, on mortgages now to the middle threes. And so that is like a double-edged sword for buyers that work with Karen or uh, people that are looking to buy a house because it does raise the payment on the same amount of the loan. And so it hurts their buying power at the same time they're having to pay more for the house. So it's an interesting time to be a buyer um, there's still time, as you and I talk every week, Karen. I mean, Kim, about trying to get a lower rate if you don't have one. But rates have been moving up, and we'll see what happens here if the Fed does raise rates in March and again in, you know, in May. And um, you know, it's just it's a difficult time, and it's going to get harder to be a buyer if they keep raising.
1: Well, but this inflation, though, Lauren, is really government-induced. It started with day one with Biden when he shut down the Keystone XL pipeline, which, extrapolate that out, that makes energy more expensive. And we depend on fossil fuels to really power our lives. And so it's really been because I think of government policy that's created these inflation numbers. What do you think, Lauren?
3: You know, I, I I can definitely see that. Um, for me, I feel like I've been dealing with this for, you know, shoot, 15 years, you know, all the way back to the Great Recession of 08. And, you know, did the Fed do what they needed to do to stave off some massive banking crisis? And and they haven't raised rates since. And so they've been trying to do it. and not doing it. And, um, you know, we're still in the same position. And now they're finally at the point where they think they need to do it because we've had the inflation that, people have been worried about for a decade and now that we have it and everyone can see it in their everyday life the fed's mandate now is to try to control that so i think it's been coming you know it's it's uh it's been a fear of a lot of people for probably 10 to 15 years now since the recession that this inflation was going to come and what would happen if we got it and we kind of have it now you know
1: Lauren, one other thing, and I'd had uh, Dr. Murray Sabrin on, an economist, and I hadn't thought about the other side of it. When you and Karen and I talk all the time about the opportunity with the low, lower interest rates to purchase a home, that that's great. Of course, now we're seeing all of this inflation uh, in in home prices, but I hadn't really thought about on the other side artificially keeping interest rates low has really taken away opportunity for savers, uh, for people that may not want to be in the stock market. There hasn't been a, a place for their capital to go. And that's and right. so in a way, it took away their opportunity. And I hadn't really thought about that until just recently, Lord.
3: Oh, that's been a huge conversation for many, many, many years. And that's kind of what started this, Kim, is you had people, primarily seniors, because um, those are the ones that are usually have less, uh, they we call them, uh, they're more risk adverse. They don't like to take on a lot of risk. And, you know, we, you and I and Karen can remember days when you would have a money market bank account that might pay you four and a half, five 5% on your savings in there. And those things now pay sub 1%, if even a half of a percent. And so that's been the penalty against savers is people who just want to have their cash in the bank. They've had to seek other places to try to get, um, to try to get returns. And, because of that, they've had to take on more risk, and sometimes they lose out on those risks and assets if they go down in value. That's what's brought on the onset of you and I talking about reverse mortgages as, a, as an opportunity for seniors to get some money out of their biggest investments so that they can continue to you know, try to keep up with the fact that their savings aren't making any money for them. But that has been a huge argument against the Fed. Why haven't you guys raised rates in the last 10 to 15 years? Because you've been punishing savers the entire time.
1: Uh, and uh, I hadn't really thought about that. And and then the reverse mortgages, uh, uh, while that is a good tool, it, people that might have sold their home uh, and moved into a different home don't do that because of the way the market is. And Karen Levine, I think that that has then affected what I, I call the velocity of housing. When people don't sell and you don't have this movement in homes, I think that that has really affected inventory as well. What's your thoughts on that, Karen?
2: I would I would agree with that, Kim, from the standpoint that um, if they're able to stay in their home, then they're not going to move. But in our marketplace, they'd like to move down, and moving down doesn't exist. So there's a lot of pushback. And so um, it's just opportunity has been, is it fair to say, stunted because of these dynamics, Um lack of construction for a period of time after the recession where the builders didn't get the memo. It was okay to get back into the market because they had gotten royally hurt um, holding a lot of inventory when the market turned. And so they're very, very cautious. And then we have policy with regards to building multifamily. So it just keeps building upon building. And I think Lauren's comment about, um, Rates staying artificially low, and then the savings that that balance has been askew for a decade or more, so it's all well, it, affecting the, the the dynamics of which we live
1: <laughs> well it is and Karen you and I have talked a lot about public policy, and I'm hoping that people are waking up because if if we continue to have fewer and fewer homes to uh, for people to move in to buy. Uh, I mean, it affects all of our, our economy. It affects all of our businesses. But Karen, I wanted to ask you this, and that is housing density. With the fires up in Superior, Superior and Louisville, uh, Steve and I have both heard people say the houses were too close together and that perhaps we need to make adjustments on that. And then, and then I've heard the accusation of greedy developers that they want to put as many houses as possible on tracts of land and that it's the greedy developers who are to, to blame on that. What b- would be your comment on that, uh, Karen?
2: Um, I didn't really like that comment. Um, it's sort of, I found it a little bit offensive. And I say that from the standpoint that Land is a limited resource. We continue to grow our population. Yes, we have public policy. we have government intervention in the marketplace um, that when a developer which the poor developer, when you look at developers and you look at builders, the their their profit margins, their take is is really minimal. I mean, the fact that they choose to be in that industry for six to eight percent, when you know they could maybe go put their money in the stock market and do better, um, it's there's a lot of things that are playing into that. So the density thing comes from one, the cost of land, and you want to bring a product out of the ground that people can afford. So you have to you have to reduce the footprint. Then you have public policy that says, all right, developer, when you build this. Subdivision. Not only do developers they need to put in so many units to be profitable, but you have to put in all this green space. You got to make sure that you have these parks and that you have you know you have to. Every community has to have a drainage area that takes up land. Um, so there's just a lot of things that played in to things getting smaller. I also think that there is a portion of our population that wants that patio home-style living with minimal outdoor maintenance but still a single-family standing home. So, again, um, public policy doesn't meet necessarily the desires of the consumer.
1: Well, and uh, there are things I think that we could do to mitigate uh, fire risk. And, of course, in our forest, for sure, I I talk about it quite often that I think we've been doing a terrible job of our forest management, but also different kinds of trees. So your evergreen trees uh, can be very um, combustible. And so maybe we start to think, take personal responsibility of what kind of uh, foliage we have outside of our homes. I mean, I think there's things that could be done, but to your point... uh, to to make sure that we have single-family homes that are affordable, we are many times going to have a smaller footprint. One other thing, though, Karen, and that we've talked with Randall O'Toole in the past, and that is public policy putting in urban land barriers where right. you can't build outside a certain area, which then makes that land more expensive within those barriers. You take a look at Boulder. And so the public policy over all these years has had a lot to do with this.
2: Right, but I also... I just caution us somewhat in having this discussion, which is what happened in Superior, Louisville, was unprecedented, was was very, very sad. And whatever the cause was, it was something that had never, ever happened, and it had to do with weather. And we can blame it on all this other stuff, but all the other stuff wasn't the cause of the fire. I mean, you know what I mean? It's just... It's just very, very um, sad what happened, but also there were so many things playing into it. And we're, if the houses were farther apart, would there have been less houses burned? Well, of course there would have been, but that's only going to happen if there are less people because as we continue to grow our population, which is fine, we're going to use up more resources, and if we're going to house more people, we're still going to either have to go up or go closer. So. Okay they're still trying to find that again that balance between public policy what what it is the consumer wants and profitability and you know i we
1: haven't done a good job
2: <laughs> over okay. well, and whoever we is right <laughs>
1: Well, I know that you're working really hard on uh, the public policy at the local, the state, and the national level. Lauren Levy, uh, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, Any quick final thought that you have for us, Lauren?
3: No, I just wanted to to hit on what Karen just said because I think she's dead on right. This fire, you know, it's, it's different if there was a million homes built in a little tiny area on top of a mountain surrounded by trees and lightning started a fire. You'd be like, well, didn't you see that coming, you know? In this case, in my opinion it was a, we'll wait to find out, but some sort of a man-made spark into 80 to 100-mile-an-hour winds where it wasn't necessarily jumping treetop to treetop like you see in a forest fire, but, you know, 80-mile-an-hour wind can move an amber pretty quick to another house, no matter how close together they are. And, you know, you don't have that, like Karen said, it's unprecedented because we don't have these downhill fires burning through neighborhoods ever unless they're man-made sparks somehow So how could anybody have seen that coming, I guess, is my question.
1: Right, right. Well, and uh, we will find out about that. We're out of time. Lauren Levy with Polygon Financial Group, phone number is 303-880-8881. Karen Levine with REMAX Alliance, her phone number is 303-877-7516. You guys have a great day. And our quote for today is from John Locke. He says, the most precious of all possessions is power over ourselves. So my friends today, be grateful, read great books, think good thoughts, listen to beautiful music, communicate and listen well, live honestly and authentically, strive for high ideals and like Superman, stand for truth, justice and the American way. My friends, you're not alone. God bless you and God bless America.